I've been working for the last summer for the island of Scotland Cay, which is in the Abaco Islands in the Bahamas. <laughs> Welcome to Profession Session, where I interview young professionals, business owners, and entrepreneurs in all kinds of different areas and talk about their stories, how they got into what they do, and the things that made them successful so far. I'm your host, Brody Vincent, and today my guest is Blake Lindquist. Blake, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Buddy. Absolutely, man. It was an obvious choice. You're a good friend and you do really cool stuff. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm excited to get into it. Dude, so am I. Yeah. Let's do it. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see in the background here, we'll get into this a little bit later, but this is Blake's website and portfolio. Yeah. So we're going to get into all of it. He's got a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Awesome. I'm happy to yes. finally be here. Me too, man. Let's do it. Yep. So I think a good place to get started would just be kind of your background. How'd you get into doing everything in the first place? Yeah, definitely. So the real background and crux of kind of where my like artistic and creative aspects come from and aspirations have just been my family. I have a, an older brother who almost got his bachelor's in fine arts. And in cool. my opinion, he's my favorite artist. That's awesome. My father's an architect as well. So like growing up when I was really little, there was always, you know, me and my dad sitting down and doing coloring books and drawing and sketching. And I would see him at his workstation, like his little drafting table he always had set up upstairs, drawing and sketching and stuff. So yeah, I always, art was in the family business. Yeah, definitely. I was always like really interested by that. So I think that that's like where it, it, it started at. And then when I got into high school, I was always watching my brother work really late at night. When I was in middle school, he was always doing artwork, AP art and stuff. Cool. And so like I was always really inspired and interested by that. And so I started doing that a little bit when I got into high school, when I went to Lake Mary High School. So Here in Orlando. Yeah, yep. Northeast Orlando. Yeah. Right down the That's street. That's awesome. <laughs> So yeah, so Orlando's home for me, and I've kind of lived all over the state, so. You were telling me about that a little off air. You've been like everywhere in the state. Yeah, yeah, everywhere except for Tampa, but that's where I'm headed soon. The accomplished so. Florida man. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, so everywhere except for Tampa, and then I've spent a little bit of time down south just to like visit friends and have fun. And, of course. You know, kind of. We were talking a little bit about Gasparilla. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little introduction to yeah, Tampa. Yeah, a couple Gaspy trips for sure nice. while in college and whatnot, so. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of been all over and got into architecture or got into art first, I should yeah. say, at a young age. We should mention you went to FSU for your undergrad. Yeah, I did five years mm -hmm. at FSU. It was a wild nice. ride trying Absolutely. to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, That's how it is for everyone, though. Yeah. I feel like it was beneficial that to, for it to be that way. Mm -hmm. I, was, I did a, a program called Exploratory when I first got there. FSU is interesting, you know, them being like a social sciences school. So that when you get there, if you don't know exactly what you want to do, there's this exploratory major where you can see what the options are. You meet with a counselor bi-monthly. And what you do is you kind of see what all the different majors are and how you might fit into those and what might be your interest or what not, not might be your interest. Do you pick kind of maybe a couple that might yeah. interest you and like focus on those? Yeah, there's an initial like consultation that they do with you and you're like, all right, well, what are you interested in? What'd you do in high school? And so I was really interested when I got into FSU, I wanted to do something like 
industrial design, which is a simple way to explain it is if you have a lamp or something like that, <laughs> is they design it and then the industrial engineer kind of will, will go through and figure out how to build it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of working backwards. So I was really interested in doing something like that. Um, so would you say... Even from a young age and like getting into undergrad before you figured out exactly what you wanted to do, you probably knew that it was going to be something design related. Yeah, I'd say so. Cool. I just, I don't know. I always got a lot of enjoyment out of creating and drawing and just, you know, being able to take something that's in my mind's eye and put it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you based on that. Cool. What does, because I've, I've asked this question before to other creatives and it's always a different, interesting answer. Yeah. What would you say being a creative means to you personally? I think it's the ability to be intuitive, like at that. least in my experience. The strongest aspect I'd say about that is just being able to think quick on your feet and to, you know, to be able to see something and at least... Uh, I'll see something that I like, whether it's a piece of art or, you know, uh, an environment or a, a building or something like that. And I'll take, you know, an aspect of it and, oh, I really like that. And you kind of put it in the back of your head and then, you know, you could take a little something from somewhere else and then, you know, being able to put it together and, you know, it's this witch's brew. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That kind of, that's kind of how I do it with the podcast is I, I'm influenced by a lot of other interview shows, podcasts, yeah. even stuff that's not an interview show or podcast that's just interesting content that I like. It's, you kind of just take your favorite elements from everything and put them together. Yeah. And artists have been doing that for, you know, a long time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So you've always kind of known that and felt that and that kind of, you come into undergrad with that in mind and then you go through this program and then where do you kind of go from that program? So um, when I was in high school, I did a lot of, uh, I did AP art. So I was doing college level art while I was in high school. I had a really great teacher, Lake Mary. She's no longer there anymore, but Miss Miller was like a huge inspiration to me. And That's awesome. Uh, you know, she was always there for me when I had like rough times. So she was really the, in essence, like what a good teacher is, you know, their mentor, friend, somebody you can count on. But she always really inspired me to like kind of push my artistic limits and to not, not to settle for, you know, where I was and to keep you know, looking at, you know, what could be new or what's something I could look at differently. And so I had those credits, those college level credits. And when I went to FSU, I, through the exploratory program, I had decided that I wanted to do business. I wanted to do business finance. So that's what I had like settled on Mm -hmm. for a while. That's what I graduated in. (laughs) Look what I'm doing now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So I got my Well, I ended up getting a minor in business, but I had a hard time getting through financial accounting and all these different things. So terrible class. Oh my gosh. It's the horrible Florida state. It's the weed class. Oh, you can't pass that. Mm -hmm. You know, financial accounting, business finance, nightmare classes. Yeah. And uh, I saw a lot of good men fall to those classes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And one that really (laughs) drove me into the ground was uh, financial management of the firm. I like that was like one of the last classes I needed needed to take to get mm-hmm. my business minor when I was yeah. uh, doing art there and I passed it with like a 79.6 or something oh my <laughs> was, god because like, you have to get a b for a lot yeah of yeah classes. I was there's like, like a couple I was like point one away That's so if I would have done one question different on oh. the final exam I wouldn't have gotten it <laughs> so thank god I passed that yeah that's amazing. <laughs> so I was struggling, struggling, struggling with business. And I went in and I had a meeting with my, my counselor for that exploratory program. And 
uh, she kind of explained it to me. She said, you have this artistic and like creative background that you sound passionate about. When I'm talking to you, you sound really passionate about. Why aren't you looking into wanting to do that? And I I probably gave some silly answer. I don't really remember what my reasoning was at the time. But Well, a lot of times, until you really get out into the world and start seeing a lot of other opportunities, mm-hmm. people have this kind of preconceived notion that it's hard to make a career out of the arts and the creative fields. Yeah. And it might have been something like that kind of just like nagging you that might have been holding you back. I know that's happened to many people I know. Yeah. I, I you think, think it was something like that? Or? Yeah, I think it's like an apprehension just because you hear about the starving artist, somebody that's really passionate about what they want to do. Yeah, exactly. Being creative, but not having the financial means to like support themselves. Not knowing how to direct it necessarily and yeah. monetize it. Yeah, exactly. And I always knew that that was very important to me, you know, mm-hmm. having the family that I had. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm more and more grateful that I have the family that I have, the support system and stuff. So Absolutely. I'm very blessed. So I was doing the exploratory thing and my counselor just basically said, you wouldn't take a Ferrari off-roading. What he was trying to explain is that people are built differently. So there's people that, you know, are built to do something like business, right? And so they will succeed and have a more fulfilling kind of career doing that. And then there's people that are built you know, a little bit differently, maybe they're more creative. And so if you if you take somebody that in my kind of example that I'm laying out here, I was creative and was trying to do this business thing and it wasn't the right fit for me. So I decided that I last minute right before I think it was my sophomore year, the beginning of my sophomore year, I decided that I wanted to do art and I had these credits already from high school. So it, it allowed like, you to kind of catch. Back yeah. Up. So it allowed me to like catch up for time that I would have lost from, you know, being interested in the business thing. That's awesome. And so then I started, you know, doing all my art stuff, which I was so happy to do. And Florida State has probably been, just felt way more passionate. Oh, right yeah. Away, no, immediately think. the burden was lifted off yeah. my shoulders. That's got to be a great feeling. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And the the professors there are great. I met a lot of really great people. Florida State has, in my opinion, one of the best, you know, art programs in the state. And if not the south, southeast of the United States. That's awesome. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a classically trained oil painter and printmaker. And then I have my... Some of it up here. We'll get into a little bit more of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, The website has been really helpful with me, like just kind of keeping my portfolio together. Yeah. And we'll we'll touch into it a little bit more as we kind of catch up on your background. But I was looking through your website. I've seen it before today, but I was looking back (laughs) through it today and Every time I've looked at your website, there's more and more cool stuff on there. It's yeah, really impressive stuff. I try to keep it updated as much as I can with the work that I'm doing, but sometimes it slips away from me. It's kind of just a living document. That's the nice thing about having it in the cloud is mm-hmm. that, you know, you can access it whenever. Exactly. You know. Just keep throwing new stuff on. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So we kind of caught up to undergrad and you're switching to art. So yeah. you kind of go through the rest of your art program and let's maybe catch up to like the time you're graduating. Did you have anything along the way during your undergrad that shaped things more or kind of just going through the art program, graduating was the focus for a while? For a long time, going through the art program and graduating was like the focus. Mm -hmm. Um, I just knew that I wanted to graduate. I think a lot of people when you're in your undergrad, like it's just, you know, college is, you know, it's an interesting time where you're meeting new people, you're doing different things and you're trying to like navigate your way. And so... I think it was, oh geez, it was probably a couple months before I like graduated and I like knew finally like 
oh my gosh, this is it. Like I'm graduating. I'm getting an art degree. <laughs> Come <laughs> like, up above the water. And yeah, like, literally. Oh yeah, the world. <laughs> and so, so there was this question of like, what's next? Like what's the next thing that I do? Mm-hmm. And so I sat and I slept on it and I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, growing up with my father being a landscape architect, I had always like kind of seen him doing his work and was interested in it, but didn't really know if that's what I wanted to do. And um, I actually started to think back about some of my art history, like classes that I had. Um, So, you know, being an art student, you have to take art history and I'm super into history. I just think that it's like, I don't know, it's a large inspiration for a lot of the artwork that I've done, and you can see it in kind of some of the themes that I, you know... um, Yeah, I think you mentioned this one right here. Yeah, yeah, so that's uh, Revo Abbey. It's one of the uh, the prints that I made in my printmaking class. Um, I think that was like my second year. But... um, but yeah, so I started thinking about about you know art history and a lot of, throughout the human history, a lot of artists um, they kind of transitioned from doing like art and two D like sketching, and then you go to painting, and then you go from painting to sculpture and like doing you know whether it's marble or it's clay or whatever you want to get into, and then from three D, a lot of them would make the at least in classical terms, a lot of them would make the transition to. Um, architecture. Okay. And so, um, wow. Kind of a natural progression. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so you see that in a lot of like the, the classic masters, you know, from the Renaissance and stuff, they kind of, a lot of them made the transition from, you know, painting murals and doing stuff to like then designing and doing, you know, architecture for these spaces and stuff. Starting out very two dimensional and getting more and more three dimensional. Yeah, definitely. And maybe even four dimensional. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so I I was really interested in kind of seeing what that looked like. And then I started thinking about back to one of my classes that I had. I took a class at FSU called Monastic Art and Architecture. And I had to take, the reason why I took it is it was for me to graduate with my art degree, I had to take one graduate level like credit okay. course of art history. And so there's like all these different very like specific avenues that you can go if you're going to do art history right and so um so why that one well i think it's because you know my father being in landscape architecture and like me always being really interested in architecture like i you know you cover it in survey one and two uh which are like the just general history of art and human history um but you don't really get too into it and so that was the only art like architecture class that they had offered in the art Mm -hmm. history department Okay. So I took it and it was crazy because I was like, I think one of the only undergrad kids. Yeah. Everyone else is in there like writing their dissertation. Wow. Thesis about it. So, That's a cool thing to get exposed to. Yeah, so, oh. definitely. Um, and the coolest thing about it is there was a professor, his name was Dr. Kyle Killian. And I think he's still up there, but um, he was like so excited and so passionate about the like, the the subject matter that it like really inspired me and so like I just I went to the class the first week just to kind of feel it out and see if this is something I wanted to do and if not I would drop it and add a different class sure um but the way that Dr. Killian would like explain the like history behind these sites and like the areas that we were researching was like really like it, it made you feel like you were you're there almost, or you were at that point in time. Those are the best professors always. Yeah. I have a professor in my MBA program that, like, 
it's for accounting, but he sometimes he somehow makes accounting interesting by just like getting into these very real world examples. He's super passionate, just super outspoken about it. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And we actually enjoy the accounting class. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I hated accounting. So. Yeah, <laughs> I did an undergrad, too. So that's why I was like blown away. But it's. It's all. It all comes down to having a passion. And yeah, teaching. it all. I think it's just anyone. You know, when you meet people that have like a, a really strong drive, and you can tell that they like sincerely like mean the work, like the line of work that they're in. Um, that's like a very special attribute to have. So, it is. You know, anyone listening, like if there's something that you really feel passionate about, or you notice, like I'm a lot more happy when I do this, and I'm like I'm very knowledgeable about this, like. I would, you know, encourage anyone out there that's trying to figure out what they want to do for their career to kind of. I love that. In. You know what I mean? That's kind of the pivotal moment of your journey that we've talked about so far. Yeah. You've made that decision. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but Dr. K- Killian was like super inspirational, and so we had to write like a term paper for the class. That was the only assignment is to write a term paper. I think we had like little quizzes on readings and stuff like that along the way, but the major assignment was a term paper. And so there were some people in there that were writing their dissertation and had been like working on it for semesters and semesters. Um, But we got exposed to a bunch of different sites throughout Europe of these monasteries. And so, um, so Basically, I chose a monastery called Revo Abbey, which is in England, northeast England, I'm pretty sure. And that's this um, one up here. Yeah, and so I did a piece of art on it because I was so inspired by it. Um, but Revo Abbey is a Cistercian monastery um, in England. And um, like part of the process of researching this site was learning about how the monks, their whole, the whole purpose of the, being a monk was to like remove yourself from society and to like purify your soul and your mind and to, you know, be devout to God. And so it was like very interesting to see how they would specifically place these sites for these communities like miles away from the closest like source of water or the closest, you know, other source of community or, you know, um, civilization. And, uh, like to do that, they'd have to reroute water for, you know, hundreds of miles and, you know, bringing stone and, you know, marble and all different types of stuff to build these structures. And you see like the, the gradual kind of progression of the site. And so at the time I was really interested in in like what the monastic practices were, oh, excuse me, um, what the monastic practices were and what they were doing. Um, and I came to figure out that it was like the start of what landscape architecture is and so that like was my first kind of insight into landscape architecture um now what area of architecture is your dad in primarily so yeah so my father's a landscape architect okay cool and so i grew up you know seeing him do a lot of stuff but Um, this gave some like really deep context and like new meaning to it yeah definitely um and so it's you know it it's like the the primordial kind of state of what landscape architecture is today is like the development practices that they used. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people don't even know what landscape architecture really is, but landscape architecture is the, a lot of times we're, we're the architect of the site, right? 
So um, if there's a, a plot of land that's been undeveloped, we'll, you know, come in and we'll do an analysis of the site and, you know, see what the topography is and see how the water moves on the site and, you know, inventory all the existing foliage and, you know, take notes of what's, you know, desirable and undesirable and what what's to remain and what's not to remain. Wow. And then even, you know, everything from, depending on the size and the scale of the site is, you know, putting in the right of way and figuring out where the roads are going to go and figuring out where, you know, you can do land planning within that. And so it's figuring out, you know, this is where the commercial district's going to be. This is where, you know, the residential district's going to be. This is where, you know, um, I don't know, a, a certain other type of residential like dwellings and units are going to be. So um, you can do big scale stuff like that all the way down to some landscape architects do just small scale residential design, which is, sure. you know, your front yard and your backyard or your pool and, you mm -hmm. know, amenities like that. And then there's also really cool stuff that people do like, uh, you know, resort hotel and design, yeah. which is like entertainment based design, which is cool. And in Orlando here, there's a lot of that. So. A lot of different areas. Yeah, definitely. So when you're going through becoming a landscape architect in the early stages, how do you niche down in that and figure out what area you want to get into? Is that, I guess it probably looks different for everyone. Yeah, but. I think for me, it was like what I was exposed to in my classes um, and in, you know, past internship experiences that I had had. Um, but I think everyone kind of figures it out differently. Sure. You know, there's some people that, you know, are very interested and they come in knowing that they want to do that. And there's some people that, you know, it's just like anything you got to kind of, you know, put your foot in the water and figure out, you know, what's best to you. So, so what did that process look like for you personally? Um, I think it was, you know, schooling and also, you know, past internships and, you know, being exposed to, to different, um, you know, forms of, of development and forms of landscape architecture. And so you had seen, you had seen this in your class and yeah. kind of gone through some internships. I guess a good place to go next might be to talk about your first internship in landscape, in, uh, landscape architecture. Yeah. So the first internship I did was, um, was here in Orlando um, for a firm called EDSA, and they do a lot of uh, resort-based, you know, large-scale oh, hotel cool. and resort-based. Good place for it in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I got exposed to a lot of that. And so there's um, actually some of that um, on the website here. Um, in this section? Oh, no. If you go back to uh, work, or you just click the, yeah, there you go. If you go to landscape architecture, you can see some of the stuff. Um, so these are just. This is really impressive stuff, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So these are just some some renderings that I did at a, like a workshop um, when I was interning there, um, and it's just you know it's amenity based design and you know pools and cabanas and you know little planting beds and whatnot. Um, I was really really blessed to have uh, great kind of leadership and great um, you know people to work underneath. Um, Derek Sissel was, you know, a guy that I worked underneath for a couple internships, and he really kind of held my hand and showed me the ropes and, you know, showed me what he was interested in and asked me what I was interested in and, you know, would, you know, show me this is how you do this, this is how you do that, and then, you know, give me leeway and, you know, tell me to go, like, now you show me what you would want to do type of deal. Um, and he had a really, really great hand. So some of the stuff that you saw up there of just the kind of sketches and whatnot, he like really was, yeah, he was really like instrumental in like showing me like, 
this is how we, you know, this is how we do this line, and this is how we, you know, do the little stone bricks, and this is how we, you know, do the, the different types of, uh, you know, plants and the palm trees. And, and so there's a lot of little tips and tricks that you see that, like, go into this. But um, he was really instrumental in that. And so for that, I'm really thankful. He's a great guy. That's awesome. Yeah, this yeah. stuff is really cool. Yeah, and then uh, and then you see more of the nuts and bolts of, you know, the the stuff you see at the front is, you know, very flashy. It's the more, you know, artistic side of it. And then a lot of this stuff is, you know, stuff for, um, you know, hardscape plans and details kind of and stuff, whatnot, yeah. tree plans. And so a lot of the stuff that you're seeing here is, you know, work that I did for, you know, who I helped on for either Disney or Universal or... Um, you know the the cabanas that are up a little bit um the, the stuff that I like this right here was something really interesting that i did um for uh, the trump international um resort hotel in lido indonesia and so that's where the oh wow so that's where the um the site was located and so um so this firm is located in orlando but they do work all over yeah they're Nashville. yeah they're, they're they have a couple different offices all over the united states but um but that was like kind of my first kind of introduction to it um and so i learned a lot from this and then from there um i i interned with them a couple times and from there i uh i moved on to uh, intern for a firm called kimley horn in jacksonville and that's yeah, that's where we met. That's where we, yeah. yeah, in Jacksonville, that's where we met. And um, Kimley Horn was a great uh, firm as well, and they, you know, they helped to uh, expose me to a lot of different things, um, a lot of you know different types of uh, forms of landscape architecture. Um, there's not uh, very much of it on here, um, but uh, but yeah, great stuff. And you know, I had a great time last summer, and um, everyone that I worked with was super welcoming. And so I'm, you know, really grateful for that experience as well. Awesome. And so that's a little bit about some of your internships. What we have not mentioned yet, except maybe in passing is that you also completed your master's recently. Yeah, I did. You did that as you were in internships. (laughs) You're a busy guy. Yeah. I, you have been since I met you. Yeah. (laughs) My folks always like growing up, it was always every summer, every winter you had to either have an internship or you had to have a job. So it was always like, it's a good precedent to set working, 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 working. So, um, we can kind of bring this full circle, right? Mm-hmm. So we talked about the exploratory thing at FSU and we talked about, you know, me getting into art and like that being my passion. And, you know, I kind of lost it for a little bit thinking to do business. And then I got back to art. Um, and then when I was at FSU, it was three months, I said it was like three months before I was about to graduate and it hit me. Oh my God, you're about to graduate and you have an art degree what do I do now? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And for a lot of different professions, it's like, oh, well, I could just, you know, take the job at the insurance company and just work at the, you know, do the thing. Very clear cut path forward. You know what I mean? Like that might not be exactly what you want to do, but for the time being, you can do it. With artists, it's... There's at least clear steps to get to where you want to. And uh, FSU did a really good job of trying to prepare us the best that they could. And they always reminded us with your art degree, you don't, you're not like left high and dry, but... I can't forget that feeling that I had of, oh my God, I'm about to graduate and I have an art degree. Like, what do I do? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, how do I apply that? It's not like there's yeah. a corporate office that will, I mean, there are some huge conglomerates that, you know, hire people as art directors and whatnot, but. Um, it's probably ultra competitive. Yeah, and like, exactly. And very connection based, I would think. Exactly. Um, you know, and I'm one artist out of, you know, probably millions of art students in America. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But anyways, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe grad school. Maybe I want to look at, you know, a graduate degree. Maybe I want to do architecture. You know, there's all these, you know, historic, you know, arch- uh, artists that, you know, transitioned over to architecture and so and you'd had this project in your printmaking class that kind of showed you the basis of landscape landscape architecture and yeah definitely really stroked your and if passion. you like if you want to scroll down there's like a lot of you know other stuff that you can see like the classics like you know classic artists they kind of really inspired a lot of the work that i do a lot of my stuff especially my prints are like very like you know from you know classically sourced material and even with my fine art if you you know some of my paintings um this is some of my favorite stuff that's like <laughs> this one the one with the oranges that we'll see in a second yeah i love these yeah and those are all really big pieces of art like they're I'm yeah just, i've seen the in-person versions yeah. <laughs> they're crazy big yeah i like to do big big pieces of art um it just really uh i, f- I feel like it makes art more exciting it does you know? everyone when they go to at least this is my uh impression when I go to an art gallery or I go to a museum when I see the like you turn the corner and you're like whoa and you see that big piece of art it yeah. always like leaves a more lasting impression than it some does smaller stuff you know so I love it yeah oranges welcome bigger to better <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can tell I'm a Florida boy right? oh yeah I love it so funny yeah that's probably part of what does it for me I love this one yeah it's cool I made that for my mom she has that hanging in her uh, in her kitchen that's awesome yeah it's kind of it's smaller though that's one of my smaller pieces okay it's big. cool yeah this one however huge <laughs> yeah that yeah, I'll huge. See that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's probably the size of uh I'd say half this wall right? I, yeah it's <laughs> like I would call it probably like one and a half or twice the size of this TV if you had it vertical. Like it's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Doing uh, big canvases like that are always really exciting. And um, on this piece, I actually remember specifically, I spent about 60 to 65 hours of contact time. So that's painted canvas. That's time, paint basically. to canvas time. Wow. And so you can look. All right. So that's, you know, wow. four or five hour sessions, which is really stretching at five hours. Standing in front of the canvas can be tough. Um, so that's four or five hour, you know, sessions. So that's, you know, a long time. You know, that's <laughs> I did that over, you know, I think half a semester was that uh, that assignment. Um, wow. So this is for one of the assignments. But the cool thing about FSU and the, the, the oil painting class that I did this in was the assignment was, you know, do something that's like very, do something that like you're passionate about. Like, what are you, you know what I mean? Just paint whatever you're passionate about. And so, you know, a lot of times it's, oh, let's just, you know, do, you know, it'll be an assignment. Oh, we're going to do cubism. We're going to do surrealism. We're going to do, you know, different types of colors. And, you know, color theory was a really enlightening class that I took at FSU too. But, um, there's some of that influence on this, but, um, but yeah, it was just, you know, what's important to you. And so, uh, you know, I included the oranges because, you know, I'm a, <laughs> from Florida and the hibiscus flowers because that's my favorite type of flower. And the, you know, the kind of the palm frond in the back because, you know, Florida's full of palms. And then you can see the, the drapery on the left side. That's like, uh, 
you know, it goes back to that classical theme. Like I'm very inspired by classical art. And then um, the center there is um, like an abstraction of a um, National Geographic uh, famous photograph. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, of this, this woman from this refugee from, I think, Pakistan. Her name's Gullah. And so that's what, um, what this is titled. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, cool stuff. And then, you know, if you go down, there's, you know, some other stuff of, um, of you know, this is a, a Leonardo da Vinci. Um, it's one of his sketches called Lita and the Swan. And Lita and the Swan's a, an old uh, Greek um, like parable or an old Greek like myth, basically. Um, and so it's like a really famous. So the original piece of art that Leonardo did is like was has been burned or destroyed or it might not have been Leonardo or he might have just done a copy of it. But back in the day, the old masters, they'd go to the museums and they would like just draw the drawings. Wow. It's like a really like famous and like very popular thing to do is you'd you kind of try to recreate, recreate it on your it own. the best you could. Yeah. yeah. So um, and so his version is very similar to what you see here. Um and uh this is the blake lindquist rendition <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this one's big too and what you can't see is there's in the background um you might even be able to zoom in i'm not sure but in the background there's all these like i like i did prints of all these different uh, like architectural uh, trellises and arches and yeah and capitals and you know different you know forms of you know classic kind of architecture from ancient rome and Greece and, and that was kind of putting your own touch on it too I love that yeah it just breaks down the, the white space in the back and you know yeah. kind of ties the theme together and then making that frame was a uh, was interesting I, I made that frame within you know I had an art um, exhibition at FSU in, in Tallahassee um, and I had to like get all my stuff hung up on the walls and like put it together for my you know my exhibition and um, I like put that together last minute but I'm really happy that I did yeah, that's badass. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, it's kind of hard for me sometimes to, to talk about my art just because, um, I don't know, I, it, it's like any artist, you know, you're, you're always your own biggest critic. So I look at this and I see so many things that I would like, oh, my gosh, like. Things you would do differently. I hope if you nobody that. sees that like, <laughs> when they're watching this later. <laughs> no, I just see a really, really cool piece of art. That's the cool thing. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so, um, so yeah, getting back to your back master's, to, to my so, master's. Kinda... so I had my art degree, right. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I talked to my, my folks and I talked to my mom and my, my mom's my rock. She's a saint. Like she's just always been there for me, always pushing me, always, you know, making me a better man. And, um, and she's like, well, you know, the GRE's coming up. Like there's a couple more tests left that you can take. Like so they schedule them. Um, she's like, just go take it and see where you place, right? And so I went and took just the to GRE. dip your toes in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It goes back to <laughs> <laughs> put yeah. your toe in the water. Yeah, exactly. Um, I went and I took the GRE, and um, I was looking at like, all right, well, if I want to do architecture, if I want to do building architecture, that's originally what I wanted to do is building architecture. Um, like, what's the score I need, and what do I need to do? And then as I sent out um, 
while was preparing applications and waiting for my GRE results, I really started looking into landscape architecture and decided, you know, maybe this is what I really want to do. You know, I had done the internships in the past, but I was always wanting to see, like, all right, I've seen what landscape architecture is, but I really want to, like, see what building architecture might be like because a building architect is different from a landscape architect. Mm -hmm. With the architect of the site, the building architect does a lot more of the structural design of the building. You know what I mean? Probably a lot of working with engineers, I would think. Yeah, definitely. Well, we both work with engineers, but, um, you know, building architects, especially when it comes to cool things like skyscrapers, right? We were just talking uh, the other day about Chicago. You said a lot of your family's from there. I was just there this past weekend. Yeah. Some of the best building architecture I've ever seen. Probably the best I've ever seen in my life. Very cool. Chicago is a really, really cool town. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who has not been to Chicago, if you ever go do the architectural tour. Yeah. I can't suggest that enough. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, yeah, my whole family's from up there. My mom's the second youngest of 10, so I have... Wow! <laughs> so I actually just went and visited my, my cousin in Montana, but we uh, figured out that I have 25 cousins. Um, so <laughs> my so mom's the youngest up. of five, and I always thought that was a lot. Younger, second youngest <laughs> of 10 is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, lots of uncles and aunts and stuff. Um, That's awesome, though. So, yeah. Um, Big family reunions. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, um, and uh, I, I love going up to Chicago and just, you know, kind of touching back to my family's roots and stuff. So, Absolutely. Um, so you were kind of thinking the idea of building architecture, but yeah. ended up kind of coming back to landscape architecture. Yeah, I, I, I sat down and, you know, had some conversations with my father who's a landscape architect, and he saw my the creative influence in me. And building architects, they can be creative for sure. There's a lot of creativity that goes into building architecture, but also – Um, for what I just, you know, being passionate about Florida and growing up in the outdoors and stuff like that. Like, I just felt like it was a better kind of avenue for me to go to. You see it in your art. I mean, you see it in the influence of your art, kind of that outdoorsy aspect of it. Yeah, lots. I do lots of flowers and, you know, sketches of, you know, different. And you're wearing palm trees and flowers right now. (laughs) Yeah, I got my palm trees (laughs) on right now. I love it. Um, So I decided that's what I wanted to, to look into. And so... I took the GRE and then I decided, all right, I'm going to send out these applications to landscape architecture schools. And so I sent out a bunch. I sent um, sent one to NC State, um, to UGA, to UF. Um, I think I sent one to Auburn. Um, and, and those are some of the best landscape architecture programs, programs basically. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, Harvard is, you know, is a really great program. Um um, UGA is a really great program. UF is, you know, one of the arguably one of the best programs in the nation. Um, they have a lot of the best programs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, and so I sent out. Uh, well, I was waiting for my GRE results to come back, and um, I got my results back. And I like quickly just added up all the numbers, and I was like, oh dang, I didn't get what I needed to get. And so I called up my folks, and I was like, yeah, I didn't get the the numbers that I needed to get. And funny story, my mom was like, what are your numbers? And like took them all down and then hung up the phone. And then she added them up and I had miscounted. Oh, really? And so I I like got the exact like number that I needed to hit to apply to all these schools. So So it reminds me of that 79.6 earlier in that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So I hit the mark that I needed to get. And then I sent out all these applications. And I remember uh, being in the uh, in my fraternity house when I was living there at FSU. Um, my senior year and I didn't really know if I was going to get anything back I thought it was super competitive and it is super competitive but um, 
and then like somebody came up and was like, hey, this was in your mailbox, and they hand me a, a letter from NC State, and I open it up, and it's like, you've been accepted. And then the next day, there were like two more letters that oh came in, God. and UGA sent me a, a, you've been accepted, and I was waiting on UF, I was waiting on UF, I was waiting on UF. It's close to home, you're still in Florida, yeah, great the, program. The reasoning behind that, I would have loved to have, you know, gone other places and, you know, have the experience of going out of state, but, you know, financially speaking, it just was, you know, to stay in state and do the in-state tuition was just the smartest thing for me at mm -hmm. the time you know and looking at you know student loans and how that all works it's that's when it like because i had florida prepaid at florida mm -hmm. state so um my college like my tuition and everything was paid for yeah so like then it was like oh wait if i'm going to grad school i gotta pay for this myself and it's a lot more expensive <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a lot like more a expensive lot more. yeah um and so i was waiting and i was waiting and i was waiting and then um i remember i got the uh the acceptance letter and you know called my folks and my mom was crying and all emotional and whatnot but it was just it was really it felt really awesome to you know to get that feeling of you know I didn't think that I was going to be able to achieve this right but I was actually able to go and achieve that and throughout my entire life there's been a lot of situations like that where um I don't Those mean to say cool that moments. I sell myself short but I well, you mentioned before that you're very critical on yourself as an artist. Yeah, so that exactly. might be where it comes from. I think that's exactly where it comes from. And um, Throughout the time I've known you, you have always been like that. And I feel like that's that's something that's always going to drive you towards success. Like, you're always very critical of everything you do because I think because you want to do things right. Yeah. Like you want it done the right way. Well, I mean, even with artwork, I like when I do a piece like this, I see it like in my mind. Right. Like I can see the finished product like in my head. Like I That's know cool. where it's going to go. And then it's just all about can I replicate it? Can mm -hmm. I get what's in here out onto the paper? That's um, very interesting. That's yeah. kind of how I felt about designing this studio, actually. <laughs> like, it, I just, it like, looks really good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this, happy is, for uh, you. this is actually the first one we're doing where I've got like the full studio view in. Um, yeah. Actually, by the time you're this interview comes out, I might have the rug in here too. And I've kind of been waiting on that to make like a full announcement of the studio. So it, it might be timed perfectly now that I think about it. Very cool. Yeah. We'll have to get some, um, I'll have to give you like a print or something, put, get some art in here. I would love to put some of your art in here. I actually, I really would. <laughs> yeah. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. I love, uh, I mentioned earlier, I love this one. I love like these, like the Florida style stuff you do. Honestly, all of these are awesome. Thank you, brother. Yeah, we should show all of these. <laughs> well, you don't have to get through this all of it, but yeah, there's um, there's a bunch of uh, of cool stuff that's um, that's up there. But yeah, without getting too off topic, you were talking yeah. about how you kind of when you're going to design something, you see it clearly in your head. Yeah. And then before that, we were talking about how um, you've had many of these moments where something you previously thought might not be possible all of a sudden you had this moment where it was possible yeah. I think that those are really cool moments yeah it's um it's fulfilling for sure but um I don't I'm trying to remember what what people call it it's like imposter syndrome you know what I mean I've talked about that before yeah a lot actually it's I've like, had that a couple times it's like I've I always feel like with the successes in my life I'm like like, do it like I feel like I like, did this yeah exactly yeah. there's a lot of that you know what I mm -hmm. mean and so um, because you're doing it for the first time yeah. so if you haven't done something before and all of a sudden you're being put in the position to be doing it you're like well how would I do this I haven't done it before yeah it's doing something completely new it's the learning curve of it I think exactly I, th I think 
being putting yourself in positions where you get imposter syndrome is a really good thing. Okay. Those are big growth moments. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Cause I've had some big moments like that too, where, you know, moments for me were, you know, right out of college, I was, and I didn't end up continuing with this career path, but it was very transformative for me. I was a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I think you knew that about Yeah, me. yeah. Um, and I, th- I feel like in a lot of ways that set me up to have some skills that I was able to leverage into other things later. But getting into that in the first place, I started training people and I was like, are people going to find out that I don't know what the hell I'm doing? Like, <laughs> like when's the ball going to drop? Right, yeah. And like you just have those moments where you're like in – you work so hard to get into some new position to get some awesome internship or in your case to get into this master's program. And you're like, what are people going to find out? I'm not supposed to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that it's also like, like you said, it's a learning moment, but I think it's also like, um, it's just like, uh, I don't know how to put it in words. It's, it's one of those things that like it, it, you got to take stock in what you have achieved. You know what I mean? And yeah. sometimes I don't give myself enough credit. And so that's something I've been trying to like work on, you know, throughout the, the justifying, years of my life. Even. Justifying yeah. where you're at. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Well, we mentioned before off air, um, I was saying it, it sounds like a lot of this stuff happened pretty quick and you were like, it did, but also it didn't. Like yeah. it, it took a while to get here. Like you, yeah. you spent a lot of hard work. You can see it if you just go through your website with all, a lot of the stuff you've done. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of hard work that you've put in to get to this point. Well, yeah, I've been in school. Well, you know, thankfully it's over. But I've been in school for eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. So and there it's was a lot there was time. no um, like overlap. Well, the I had ap- ten days after I you know received my diploma and like shook my dean's hand at Florida State. I had to move out of Tallahassee, find somewhere to live in Gainesville, like move all my stuff in like across the state and start classes. So like there was like, did I, I knew you at this point, right? Did I know you, uh, did you have your internship in Jacksonville during your undergrad? No, 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 no. So, so, so I met you like right after this. Yeah. Like okay. right after it. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing this story about how you just like all of a sudden like had to make this crazy change. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden I was at, at UF doing, um, doing my master's of landscape architecture there, which was great. I had a great experience there, um, you know, great faculty, really great support, um, and it's a, a great institution and university, and so I'm really happy that I, you know, was able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it got you to where you're at today. Yeah. <laughs> so It was an uphill battle, but, yeah. you know, we made it. You a made it, man. sleepless Can nights. <laughs> cheers to that. Yeah, cheers, brother. <laughs> <laughs> So that kind of catches us up to a lot of your background yeah. and where we're at today. Let's maybe use this as a transition point. So you you graduate and get your master's and you were working during your whole master's and some of these internships we talked about yeah. before, but you get out of your master's and you graduated recently, was it May of this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you graduated May of this year and then now you're, you spent the summer actually in the Bahamas. At, uh, not the whole summer, but you spent like the summer kind of working on a project in the Bahamas and you were just there. Yeah, so um, I was really fortunate when I was at UF and I'm excited to kind of speak about this because yeah. a lot of people that- Because we haven't even got to catch talk, up on this I privately yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've been all over the world these last couple uh, months um, and it's been kind of crazy because um, when I was you know, at UF, when I was about to graduate, we have to do a traditional thesis, right? And so, 
me being passionate about Florida and about coastal communities and whatnot, that's kind of the route, the route that I did, um, that I like studied. And we, we, did, we had this class before, it's uh, the final spring semester, excuse me, spring semester right before you start your final year. Um, and you take a like a research studies class, right? And they teach so you. So this is your like quote unquote junior year of your yeah. master's kind of like the spring before the fall and spring that will set you up to graduate. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so um, we do a, um, we do this research studies class, right? And it's just all about how to, you know, how to search for scholarly articles, how to, which a lot of people already know because they, you know, write essays and do all that stuff. But it's like how to really narrow down what you're looking for. And especially within the field of landscape architecture, it's a lot of a smaller kind of pool to pull set. from. Yeah, pool to pull from. Um, and so I did um, a bunch of re. And so we look up these articles and then we write like short little, you know, assessments of them. Okay. And then, you know, we write a big paper at the end of the semester. Um, but you the whole like task of it was write whatever you're interested in so i was always writing about coastal communities and the caribbean and um a lot of what i wrote about was ecotourism as as a sustainable development practice for developing countries so like i was looking at like belize and like different spots throughout the caribbean and south america and like looking at how they you know, use ecotourism as a as a means to develop to help the economy. To kind help of. the economy. That's yeah. cool. So, and it's a huge thing throughout you know South America and especially the Caribbean. So, I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot here. Um, you could just give one if there's one that really stands out, but top three like big standout things that you got from that, like standout things from that. Um, I think it would be like the like learning to, this is gonna sound crazy, but like learning how to really analyze like a body of work. Um, so in what, like, I guess in what sense, or what, what, where's that question? So like, so like top three things that you got out of- Sustainable development? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant about like <laughs> no, the not research the, Not the class, yeah. That, yeah, would yeah. Be, that would be a difficult thing to really elaborate yeah. on. That. I feel like that gets kind of abstract, but top three things that you got out of like studying sustainable ecotourism. Um, the big thing is the market for it. That's like the big thing that's, that stands out. Everyone wants to go, they call it glamping, right? Yes. Wants to go. Yeah. I was just looking at a trip, um, with those, uh, have you heard of these like RV camps where they're like redesigned RVs and yeah. they like, they have camps of like 50 of them in like national parks. Oh yeah. And you say, yeah, that's like the best example I can think of glamping. You know, it's even cooler than that. They take old storage units in like the uh, shipping containers, I mean, um, the old shipping containers. Yeah. And they like turn them into little like like, camp like cabins, cities. basically. They have um, not, it's not a camping thing, but they have like a little uh, like bar city district in old Las Vegas made out of those shipping containers. Oh, no way. Super cool. If you ever go, you, you would probably love it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's super neat. It's literally like you walk in and it's this whole kind of like, plaza of these shipping containers that are like double and triple stacked up there's like stairs up to them there's bars and restaurants and stuff it's so neat yeah it's awesome oh yeah i don't remember what it's called but it's in like old like the old vegas i would love to yeah yeah you go ahead and keep talking about what you were talking about i'll see if i can find it Um, you're talking about glamping yeah so the the three kind of key takeaways number one is just the there's a huge market for it especially with the onset of the the international pandemic 
you know, everyone wanted to go camping, everyone wanted to get outside, everyone wanted to go on a trip. Um, so there's that. And then um, a lot of the stuff I focused on was like kind of uh, revolved around like coral reefs and like that sort of tourism, right? Like scuba diving and oh, snorkeling cool. and stuff, you know, just being from Florida. The different little excursion and attraction stuff that like the areas like that bring people for. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, I, I really got into this book called Authentic Eco Lodges. Oh, wow. You'll be just go to images. That might be a little bit. Yeah, better. definitely. This place is so cool. Yeah, it's Container like this. Container Park. Container Park. Wow. It's like turf. <laughs> this is the entrance. Unreal. What is that? That looked like a big. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about like it. That. It is. It is. It's like a giant praying mantis sculpture, like just made out of uh, like repurposed materials. Wow, that's rad. It is, yeah. I definitely <laughs> recommend this because a lot of people don't see this. You typically just hit the main like New Vegas wow, strip when like you go. Water slides and stuff. It looks like I that might be new since I went there. I was here maybe five years ago or so. Interesting, but yeah, awesome spot. Yeah, it's crazy what they can do with those things because you know that once they ship it across the like the world it's more expensive for them to bring it back so they oh. leave it yeah wow so it's like it's like they call it upcycling that's the new thing it's like taking something that you know was going to get trashed you know it's similar yeah. to recycling but it's upcycling it so it's making it like a commodity like this or like making it nice right because it, it probably would have been like it's more expensive to ship it than just to leave it where it's at like the the old way of thinking you would just leave it where it's at and let it become trash but yeah it's more sustainable if you can make money off of it if you spend the money up front to ship it and yeah. set it up as something like this yeah. so that's called up upscaling upcycling upcycling okay yeah, upcycling. cool yeah so it's like taking something that's old and repurposing it into something new so very cool yeah. so that kind of ties into like big insights from um from ecotourism yeah say. definitely so uh, the first point um that i made was there's the market for it and the second point was uh you know really looking at you know these like these kind of day excursions and and um, and how you know the community can can take like an asset and they can like something that they have like a coral reef or you know hiking in a jungle or something like that and they can like turn that into you know a source of revenue for the people and they can turn it into like a really like a good uh, form of um, an economic driver. And so you see a lot of this actually happening in Asia right now, a lot like China's been doing a lot of it um, in Southeast Asia as well. Um, and so it's cool to see, you know, how different places kind of adapt differently to mm -hmm. you know what they have around them. Figuring out how to bring people in and make money yeah, like definitely. for the, for the surrounding areas. That's really cool. And then the third thing, which kind of, breaks off this is you know there's the economic driver but once there's like you know a big there's a demand for like the economic driver that's there um there's all the things that come with tourism so it's like handling waste and handling you know people that want to you know the manage. things you don't think about exactly yeah so that was like really you know an insight from yeah from learning about uh, ecotourism as a sustainable development practice wow that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would have never thought about a lot of that stuff, but I mean, you're seeing more and more of that everywhere. Yeah, all through Florida. It's mm -hmm. huge in Florida, like the glamping thing. Absolutely. Drive through Ocala, you'll see there's spots all over the place where, you know, people are... Setting up like the little camps and stuff. So 
where I was going with the the whole research studies thing is is unbeknownst to any of us, um, what the department did is they took all the information that we submitted to them as far as like what we've been interested in studying and they go back and they have like a little conclave. So they have like a little retreat that they do at the end of the year and they figure out for your thesis who your faculty members are most likely gonna be based on what your interests are and what their like profession and like their experiences and like how that would be a best fit. That's so cool. Does that make sense? That does. So that quick tangent, and I'll wrap it back around because we've gone on a lot of tangents. <laughs> but that reminds me of like the introduction to my MBA program, actually. Yeah. What they did is we did this like really extensive personality test. Everyone did going into it. And they actually used the results of that to show us like on this kind of spectrum where we fell in a couple different personality traits. Mm-hmm. And like there was a few different and simplest way I can explain it, I guess, is there's a few few different fields and it showed you where you fell on a on each spectrum for those and kind of identified you as like a, a champion or an implementer or something like that. Yeah. And they actually give you like a team of four to five people every semester in your cohort that you're with for that entire semester. And they actually group them based on your personality traits and how those kind of complement each other kind of reminds me of that okay it's a really cool way to set things up like what you're interested in like how you operate and how can how can those skills and those interests complement your work if you're paired with the right people yeah exactly it's like finding your team because your thesis is such a long and a, a serious kind of thing that you do it's like a you know you'll do one thesis for your entire life. And some people say it's like the most important thing that they've done. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so it's this huge endeavor. And so they try and pair you up with the best like teammates and, you know, advisors and counselors basically that, you know, they can, that can help you. So you have a, you have a chair and you have a member, right? And so I got paired with, um, with a gentleman named, uh, professor Manley, Dan Manley. And he, uh, has been the department head for the Department of Landscape Architecture for uh, the last year now, year and a half now. Um, And he was like, Professor Manley um, was like a huge inspiration to me, like a really great, when I say like a great human being, like, like he's a great father, a great like person to the community, a great person to the department, you know, a mentor, a good friend. You know, like like we were going, talking about earlier, like, you know, having different, you know, people that are passionate about what they do and just like a good, like a good teacher, you know, in the truest sense of the word, like a teacher, like somebody that, you know, informs and being passionate is a very big part of that, because yeah. if you're not passionate, the material's not going to get through yeah. to your students. And he was also somebody that I could lean on and, you know, that would understand where I'm coming from and, you know what I mean? But um but yeah, um, he's a great guy, and so he was my, he was my um, my chair, and so I worked really closely with him. And and while I was interning in uh, at Kimley Horn in Jacksonville over the summer, um, he sent me an email and then gave me a call, and he said, "Hey, I have an opportunity. There's an alumni that you know is doing work in the Bahamas in the Caribbean that um, wants some help with the work that they're doing, and we're thinking that it might be appropriate to be like a thesis." And so we'd like to see if that's something that you'd be interested in. Wow. And he said, he said, mind you, this is, <laughs> he said, like, think about this before you, you know, say yes or no, 
this is going to be a lot of work, mm -hmm. like a lot of work, like more work than what a traditional thesis is going to be. And you're going to have a little bit more limited of a of time frame than the rest of your cohort. Right. Um, because of travel and stuff like that. But um, so I thought about it and, you know, my kind of passions led me that direction. So I got on a call with, you know, my clients that I'm working for now and um, and Professor Manley and we like you know, sat and we talked, um, and, uh, they, you know, asked me some different questions. And by the end of the meeting, um, you know, they said they'd get back to me and then they got back to me and told me I, <laughs> I was the guy for the job. That's awesome. And so, um, what was going through your head when you found out? I just was so surprised. Like, like we said before, I, I just was like, really me? Imposter syndrome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Imposter syndrome. But, um, now that I look back on it, I, I feel like I was probably the most, you know, the most prepared candidate and you know the most knowledgeable candidate and um you know just the just really you know ready for the the role that i was about to um you know assume um yeah and so i did my thesis there and so uh, my thesis was all about um <laughs> the name of my the title of my thesis is space to place right so it's like creating multi-generational open spaces in like the context of the caribbean like environment that i was working on and so um to lay it out for you know those of you that are like listening in right now um i've, I've been working uh for the last uh, summer um, as a, a private consultant for the island of Scotland K, which is in the Abaco Islands. Um, and the Abaco Islands are known as the family islands in the Bahamas. Um, and so, uh, so we got so I've got is, Google Earth pulled yeah, up here. So if you're looking if you're watching on YouTube. So yeah, so this is uh, Great Abaco, and if you want to uh, zoom out, actually, we can probably show them in relation to where uh, Nassau is. So there's Florida, right? Mm -hmm. And then you see uh, the little island with the pin in it, that's Nassau. And so uh, north of it um, is... Nassau is where most cruise ships go into, where yeah. Senior Frogs is. <laughs> <laughs> senior Frogs. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> Land of the conga lines and the, right. and the tequila shots. That's too funny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, and then there's... Um, the Abaco Islands, right? Which is essentially this whole area here. Well, so there, that's Grand Bahama and Freeport and stuff. So uh, to the west there, closer to West Palm, that's Grand Bahama. Um, this area? No, 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 no. Up, up, your cursor up here? a little bit right there, yeah. Okay. And so uh, the Abaco Islands are that little, like, kind of archipelago right there. Gotcha. And so there's uh, Marsh Harbor, which you're zooming in on, right? And that's probably the biggest port on the entire um island of Grand Abaco and then just north of it is uh, Great Guanacay and um, on Great Guanacay there's you know development called uh, Baker's Bay which is like George Clooney and Tom Brady and like all those they all have their little island house and then um, right just southeast of it is Scotland Cay and Scotland Cay is the island that I've been working for um, and I'm helping them um, with um, assessing and in, in kind of um, like re-envisioning uh, the public domain and public spaces of the island. So in 2019, Hurricane Dorian um, so, hit the, the Bahamas. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, so is it one homeowners association that kind of covers the entirety of the island? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, it is. Um, there's it's, there's it's a couple cool of different... You get to encompass an entire island in that way. Yeah, exactly. So Scotland K is about 350 acres and there's about 300 half acre lots that are on the island. Um, and so 
what I've been brought in and tasked to do is to, to look at the public domain of the island. So that's their right of way. That's their, you know, public parks and their gathering spaces and anything that, you know, is a publicly shared kind of amenity of the island. And I've been tasked to kind of re-envision it um, and help them to, um, to kind of use the... There was a lot of loss and destruction with Hurricane Dorian in 2019. Um, for those of you that don't know, Hurricane Dorian came and hit the uh, the, the Bahamas really, really bad, especially the Abaco Islands. Um, and uh, it stayed parked over the Abaco Islands for 36 hours. So it's the it's actually the most intense um, human exposure to a, like a large-scale storm event like that in like recorded human history so oh my god usually uh, if you're from florida you know that usually you know a hurricane will come and it'll ride the coast or cut across the state it usually comes through pretty quick yeah like it does it's caused a lot of destruction sure, but, but it's it's through pretty quick it's like 12 24 hours and it's gone the weird thing about dorian is it came over um the abaco islands and it sat there for 36 hours and didn't go anywhere um, and so they had, you know, really crazy sustained winds and, you know, saltwater inundation, intrusion and whatnot. But um, basically the entire island was, you know, in large point destroyed. Um, and so with that destruction, though, the, the homeowners saw, you know, a, an opportunity to to rebuild and do something different than they did last time or do something really cool. And so that's where my thesis came in is the, the there's two members that are on the homeowners association that, um, the, you know, the, the president and um, another member, and they're both uh, alumni to UF. And so they came in and uh, reached out to the, the department and then through then the connections were made. And, um, and then I interviewed for that, the, the, um, the opportunity to do my thesis there wow. and I came with a fellowship and so in October that was the first time that I went to the island and visited and you know got to you know apply some of my research that I had done on multi-generational open spaces and you know this this transformation from space to place and fostering stewardship within the, the landscape and I was able to apply the you know literary research that I had done in the in the fall to the island um, that's awesome. But uh, since then, you know, my, my thesis ended, and I'm, I'm the lucky guy. The, um, the, the clients that I have, they were, you know, very enamored with the work that I did and very proud of the work that I did, and so they hired me on to, uh, to continue to work for them. And so, um, Another I mean, cheers for yeah, that. <laughs> thank you, brother. Congrats, man. Yeah, so it's been kind of crazy because um, I kind of got baptism by fire. Yeah. Into, like being a project manager. And so, yeah, because I remember when you – kind of set up the um you getting the position for the Bahamas you said they they were like are you sure you want this it's a lot <laughs> it's just it was just yeah. a lot of work yeah so um I kind of got um I got you know thrown feet first into it but um and it was a, a really hard learning curve but um but I learned you know how to manage you know my time and how to manage you know the expectations of my clients and you know really how to to work on a project of this scale and to you know work with other homeowners because it's not just the you know the homeowners association like the few people that are on the board it's you know all the the residents of the island so it's it's reaching out to them and you know seeing what their input is and what people value about the island what people 
want to see changed, what people never want to see changed. And so it's working with all those different facets. Very cool process. Yeah. And so, um, so I've been working on a a, a bunch of different, um, you know, small public parks that are on the island, um, you know, where, where people get together and they, they call them soirees, they get together and they bring, you know, uh, finger food and, uh, some, some drinks down there and they, you know, will enjoy 4th of July. And so, just recently I was there for the 4th of July and, you know, presented to the homeowners that are, that were on the Island and, you know, showed the work that we're at and where we're at with the work that we're doing. Um, that's awesome. Some of it has to stay under wraps, of course, of course. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a unbelievable opportunity and, um, I just can't, you know, thank the people that have, you know, invited me there and everyone that I've met there is, has literally opened their homes to me and their hearts to me. And, invited me into their little you know slice of paradise and it's that's awesome and this is a place like no other on planet earth it's truly an ecological gem in the bahamas there's on the island there's no commercial activity there's no um retail activity so there's no um there's no like uh grocery stores there's no hotels it's all just it's a community of people that live together it's just all houses so um they have an airstrip on the island they have a a private airstrip um and um, And that's the only way to come in and go out well they have the the marina too so you can bring your boat over some people do do crossings from um from uh florida but i usually um fly out private of um out of fort lauderdale and from fort lauderdale to scotland k it's about an hour and hour and a half and then you're on the island okay not bad so yeah so i've been doing uh consulting for the island for the last um couple months um and it's been a, a great opportunity and we're like starting to you know get closer to what we want to do for these first couple you know um items that we've been addressing um so it's going to be really cool to to be able to go back and see you know the the fruit of my you know, all my hard work. Yeah, because you probably work coming to fruition. I hadn't thought through this yet, but mm-hmm. with the nature of, of your work, you probably you probably do a lot of work to really set things up. And then all of a sudden it gets built, it gets implemented. Yeah, that's right? the, that's the really cool part is yeah. like when it's like, oh, my gosh, they're like the construction crew is starting. Like, yeah like next week, like not next, that's not when they're starting. <laughs> yeah. But like, but you know, it, when you have that moment, it's like, wow, the, like they're going to start building. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is what I designed, like is going to get built. And it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about when I do art, I see it in my mind's eye, I see it right up here. And then it's about how can I translate it to, you know, a, like a, a final product. Pen to paper. Exactly. And so with my 2D art, it's always been like painting or, you know, d- some sort of translation in that aspect. But with this, the really cool thing is like going there and it's like, wow, that, you know, that palapa, that gazebo, that, you know, community heart. And that's one of the biggest things that I can speak about that I'm doing there is I'm, you know, building like a heart for this community, an area where they can all like gather as a community and you know enjoy their time when they're there and you know for their grandkids and their great grandkids and you know for uh, generations in the future um it's like creating this this area that's really important to them and so um that's awesome man so, yeah place making is a big thing that i'm i'm involved in here i am very much looking forward to 
seeing the pictures when that comes yeah. to fruition. That sounds awesome. Definitely. Well, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, you know, one day I might be able to have a spot over there and we can. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, man. It'd be awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm super excited. It's, uh, it's, I've never seen or been in a, a space like this before in my entire life. It's really cool. And the really cool thing, this is where it gets really kind of crazy is if you zoom out, Scotland K is like one of the closest islands in the Caribbean to uh, Africa. So like when you stand on that Atlantic coast and look over, there's nothing between like you and the continent of Africa. Wow. So keep going back. There's Bermuda, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> so like <laughs> it's like it's like when you're there, it's you're like, just staring out into brody endless endless water it's just like you're on the edge of the world yeah it's really kind of cool it literally looks like the edge of the world on the map if you look like it's like (laughs) it's crazy. yeah you got to go up north a little bit yeah there you go it's like right it looks like you're on the edge of the world right here yeah it's really cool that's awesome man yeah so you've been working on that through the summer Uh but what we have not mentioned yet is you actually just kind of got prepped up for a new position with with yeah. a new uh with a new firm that you're starting with in tampa yeah so i'm about to move to tampa um within the next week so yeah <laughs> i'm doing a lot of packing another another big all of a sudden move i know right it's, it's kind of <laughs> crazy but i'm really excited um so tampa's I'm, a really cool city so i'll definitely visit you down there yeah definitely i hope you do yeah it's um, fun i i've never really been to tampa i haven't experienced it too much but i'm really excited to like to go and experience a new area and a new spot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Tampa. I'm working for a firm called RVI. Um, and I met some really great people over there. I felt like it was a good fit. Um, and so I'm going to be living in Tampa and working over there. Awesome. So do you have an idea of, uh, of some of the projects you might be working on yet? Yeah, definitely. They do a lot of work, you know, public work within the city. So, you know, public parks and, um, Tampa is, is, is growing so much. Probably I would probably call it the fastest growing city in Florida. Probably. If not the southeast. Yeah. I mean, it's Jacksonville's is, is close. There's Jacksonville's got to be close. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Tampa is really really cool. There's um, there's a lot of people moving there. Um, there's a really cool like young professional sense there. You know, in, it's like, incredibly the young there. there. So I'm excited to be able to experience that. Um, and the cool thing is, is that well, maybe it's not the cool thing if you're a Floridian, but uh, over a thousand people on average move to Florida every single day. That's insane. So that's too much. Yeah. (laughs) So there's there's tons of people moving to Florida, and so um, so a lot of what's going on right now, and a lot of the work that I'll be handling as well is is development, and so it's like how do we house all these people Mm -hmm. that are moving to Florida? Prepping for prepping the infrastructure to be able to handle that exactly so it's you know it's residential developments but also it's cool because they're able to do some really cool you know public park works and and that's more in my field especially with your when you're working with a municipality um it's uh it's a lot more like the flashy stuff right so like it's working on the public parks that you know everyone kind of gets to see and you get to do cool stuff with you know maybe an art installation that's always exciting or maybe it's you know a special kind of you know, conceptual design that like flows through the entire, uh, the entire park that you don't get to see until you, you know, like uh, one of my internships, I had an opportunity to work with, um, with a, a lady that was doing some, some work for a public park. And her whole idea was, um, to do from Google earth, the paving pattern for the, 
like the pavers and the, the walkways was a barcode. And then if you like went on Google Earth and scanned it, you could. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> that's badass. You could like see like whatever, you know. I love that. Come up. But it's. um. It's, you do a QR code. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that might be even even better. So it's uh, public public works give you the opportunity to do cool stuff like that. Yeah. And so. Um, Any cities that or places in particular that you can think of that you could foresee inspiring you like when you get your work started like places that stand out that you've been to yeah uh chicago for sure yeah yeah love that the park that was one of the most impressive things about chicago uh i'll probably butcher this background but (laughs) the essentially the idea i got from it was that there was someone that bought the entire river like the the entire kind of like upfront riverscape uh-huh. Um, and just own the land. And he put as a provision in his ownership that the land would always have to be kept as public park space. You're completely right. I am right. Okay. That's, okay. What, I, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. So, and so if you go there, um, essentially the entire riverscape is all park yeah. and it's beautiful. It's like, there's nothing obstructing the view of it. You can, if you go out onto the water, you just see this beautiful park space. Yeah. If you're walking through it, it's clear view of like the water and the lakes and everything it's it's awesome yeah and to your point i'm pretty sure that large sections of um lake michigan are the same way really okay that's awesome so the the planners were really smart when they laid it out you know chicago after the fire and for those of you that don't know chicago you know was a city and then there was a huge fire that burnt most of the city down um after the fire they were really smart about their their zoning and their planning kind of practices and so exactly what you said all along the river it's all public like park space which at the time was probably frowned upon but now all these years later it makes it, for like a very attractive and a very like a, you know like a brings in a lot of people exactly at the time it, like the conventional thinking probably would have said no we've got to compete with these other cities we've got to compete with new york and la and mm-hmm. all these other big cities and we've got to build as much as we can as fast as we yeah. can but it turns out that if you go now it, it really stands out from a lot of those cities in that yeah, way definitely Chicago's really cool um the university of florida they sent us up to seattle that was really cool that's a place i want to get up to. Yeah, yeah it's really cool so um like the the space needle area and like the kind of touristy spot was really really cool um where else um i really like saint augustine so that's like the the flip side of that coin Mm -hmm. it's like saint augustine is cool especially the colonial district because it's like it's so old and you know antiquated and Mm -hmm. there's all the history and it's like you know, this first spot in the United States. It's like where, going in a time machine. Oh my it really gosh, it's is. So cool. um, you can walk around on forts. And stuff. <laughs> like, it's it's wild. It's so cool. That was a really cool thing about growing up in Jacksonville is we yeah. took field trips to St. Augustine all the time. And like yeah. it was very because it was very easy for teachers to justify like learning the history behind the state. So we would take yeah. these field trips to St. Augustine and just walk around on Fort Caroline through some of the historic des- districts and. It was really neat. Yeah. It's an awesome city. St. Augustine's cool, for sure. Um, so, yeah, um, other than that, uh, there's a couple cool spots in the southeast. You know, Charleston's beautiful. New Orleans is cool, too, the French Quarter. Um, oh, yeah. You can tell I tend more towards, like, antiquated things. Yeah. <laughs> like, the older kind of. Which is cool, though. It's cool yeah. to be able to highlight a city's history in that yeah, way definitely. because that 
that leads a lot into the tourism, right? If you've yeah. got some of that, people want to visit that city to learn about where it started. So if you've yeah. got a little bit of, if you've got some of that, and, and Chicago does a good job of that as well. It's got some of the the history built in there too, where you can come and really learn about the what went into it. Well, it's it's kind of the same thing with why people like photos of old boots, mm -hmm. like like an old like farmhouse, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like paintings of that stuff. It's because when you look at something like that, it you know, it 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 has history to it. It ha tells a story, you know what I mean? Whereas, you know, something else, you know, that's like I tend more towards the classic arts and like that sort of thing as opposed to like some more of the I like modern art, but like some, you know, some of the ultra modern stuff, it's not as attractive to me, but that's just be, you know, it's well, you got a really good background of art history and yeah, your education. But that's just what interests me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? There's a beautiful saying. It's um, uh, it's like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And mm -hmm. like, the cool thing about art is anything can be artistic as long as it, you know, invokes an emotion in you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, just so, about how you implement it, how you build it out. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. <laughs> well, I have a, qu a couple of questions that I always like to ask in my interviews. So I can't I'll, wait. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll go ahead and hit you I with the it. first I knew one. I there were going to be a couple. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So the first one is essentially this. You've gone through some of your career now, right? Yeah. And along with that comes wisdom, lessons that you learn along the way. You've talked about some pretty pivotal moments that you've gone through yeah. and learned things. If there was a couple things... so. If you could go back in time and talk to a young Blake as he was getting into the industry, what are a couple things that you would tell him to do differently based on the wisdom and the knowledge that you have now? I think I would say, like, don't sell yourself short. That's probably the like biggest that. thing is never sell yourself short. It's like always take pride in the things that you do. Always recognize the hard work that you've you put in and all the hours that you've really put in, especially if I'm talking to young Blake, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> be, be proud of where you've gotten, you know, and to, to really, you know, take pride in, in how you've gotten there. Yeah. So that's like the biggest thing for me now that I'm done with my master's now that I've, you know, I've, I have my career signed, uh, set up. I'm for one of the first times in my lives, I'm well, my life. I'm really like passion or maybe lives. We don't know for sure. <laughs> I'm really passionate about where I'm at, where I've gotten and you know, how I've gotten there. And I like, couldn't be happier with where I'm at right now. That's like, awesome. I, I just, I'm, I'm at the tipping point where like my career is about to tip off and like where like, you know, this, it, it already kind of has, it has. like, I would you say know, so. moving to a new city, that's like really exciting. And so mm -hmm. like, I'm very, I'm very excited. I like, I'm, I, I feel like I'm about to launch and for a long, the world's your oyster. for a long time I've been sitting, you know, I've been on the plane with the seatbelt sign on and we've been waiting on the runway. And so like now, like we're finally going to take off. So I'm Reminds excited. me of the feeling you get if you're on a cruise ship. Uh, so I, I took a cruise when I was like 19, yeah. not 21 yet, but if you get into international waters, you're allowed to drink on it. Yeah. It reminds me of the feeling you get when they say you are now in international waters. <laughs> Just you're funny. good to go. Yeah. Green lights on. Yeah, definitely. I love that. That's an awesome tip, man. I mean, it really, it really is a big theme I noticed in your journey so far. And I'm, as your friend, I am incredibly happy to hear that you're in that place and opportunity and 
ready for the future. Yeah. It's definitely. exciting. Well, another question I like to ask is, yeah. so this is called profession session, the show, yeah. right? What does being a professional mean to you personally? I think being a professional is, it's, it's being, uh, you know, it's being really good at your craft, but there's, you know, some other things that, that go along with that. It's, it's being extremely like knowledgeable about, you know, your craft and being able to, to, to determine what the, the correct route is when there's, you know, a couple things laid out in front of you. So being a profession, professional to me is, is being able to know, you know, what the best avenue to go down is. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's assessing, you know, how the field's laid out and it's, you know, being able to determine, you know, this is, this is the right call, this is the wrong call, this is, you know, the important call. Sometimes, you know, y you don't want to do something, but it's the important thing to do for whether it's the longevity of the firm or whether it's the longevity of your own business or, you know, just even the, the, the task project or, you know, collective that you're working with. So I love that. Just being able to make the right calls, given your background and your knowledge. Yeah, it's just it's I, I guess in essence, if you know you were to synthesize that down, it's, you know, taking, you know, all of the information that you have and making like a really smart decision like I don't know. I just feel like every professional that I've ever admired or like known, they've always had a good way of being able to do that. Yeah. Make so. the right decision at a moment's notice and yeah. really turn things around. And it goes back to, to, um, intuition. Yeah. I think intuition is just a big, you know, driving factor in, in my life is being able to think quick on your feet. Absolutely. So. Well, Th that's a great answer. And uh, the last thing I would ask you is just, do you have anything else, kind of parting wisdom, anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Um, yeah, don't, it goes back to don't sell yourself short, but you know, don't, don't ever be, you know, scared to, to do something that, you know, that other people might tell you, you know, uh, don't be afraid to, to, take a leap of faith. If you really are passionate about something, and especially when it comes to your career, or you find yourself enjoying something a lot, you know, you enjoy something more than what you're, you know, doing right now, don't, don't be afraid to like, you know, take the time off and to, to, you know, research something new or to, you know, see about maybe this is what I want to do. I think it's really important to, to be honest with yourself. So, you know, jump in both feet um, first and, and, and kind of just really try and, you know, experience whatever it is that you're passionate about. So I guess follow your passion. That's follow your passion, follow even your if passion. it, even if it doesn't seem like the obvious choice. Well, I think like that a lot of times, especially young people, um, you can get kind of bogged down by your peers. And I think especially in our generation, there's a really bad habit of, you know, everyone tries to pull each other down instead of building each other up. And that's the, the test of true friends, your true friends and people that really do care about you. They'll, you know, inspire you and they'll, you know, push you to be, you know, a better person than you are now. And so, you know, like m my buddies, um, you know, Connor Hare and Nick Giovanetti, they always, you know, they always try and inspire me to be a better person. You know what I mean? And so they, you know, e even them, they have uh, their own um, company called Top Shelf Nutrition. It's their 
own little su- supplement company. Um, you would they would be great for people to. T- Maybe we could set it up. Sure. Yeah, de- yeah, that definitely. sounds interesting. Yeah, so they I'm have their own their own supplement company, and um, you know, one thing that I've always you know really enjoyed about them is that they've always you know inspired me to be you know better than I am and to to you know jump in with both my feet and that's awesome. Really be passionate about what I want to do, and so it's important to find those people and keep them in your life. Yeah, and you've been ever since I met you, you've been that kind of person to me. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Thank you've you. You've always brother. been the kind of person that builds up your friends around you. Yeah, you have to for sure. You I know, agree. There's a there's a saying that like you know alphas build up you know the people around them. You know they don't tear them down, and I feel like. Nowadays, you know, people can really get teared down by their peers and, you know, people, you know, get excited about failure and they don't get excited about, you know, success, especially yeah. with their friends. So, well, that is a great note to leave it on. <laughs> Blake, thank you cool. so much for coming here today Dude. and imparting some awesome wisdom. Thank you awesome so much, wisdom. brother. I appreciate Absolutely. it. <laughs> Absolutely. This has been a very unique conversation, something I did not know a lot about that I got to learn a lot of cool stuff about. Yeah. And I've got to thank you for that. Thank you, brother. And you, you, are, me on. you are one of the foremost professionals I know. This has been awesome. <laughs> Well, you know, I really I'm happy that, you know, you and I have the friendship that we have. Me too, man. Me too. Well, thanks again. And uh, this has been Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. My guest has been Blake Lindquist (laughs) of an incredible career that's kicking off and kicking off running. Yeah. Check his uh, look out for Scotland K. Sounds like it's going to be making some awesome strides in the future due to this guy. And then look out for Tampa. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to see, you know, any of my my work or anything, you can, you know, find me at BlakeLindquist.com. Go to BlakeLindquist.com and that will be in the description if you're watching on YouTube and the show notes if you're listening on any podcast platforms. And I will make sure that you can find Blake on Instagram, any kind of relevant platform so you can check out his stuff. Awesome. Cool. And that's a podcast. (laughs) There we go. It's a wrap. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We can be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for profession session, DM me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know. And they could be the next to tell their story here. Until next time, again, this has been Profession Session. Stay focused, stay hustling, and stay networking.